Good morning once again to all the members of First Assembly. I want to welcome you back to the worship online. And even though we are at different places, we are all in the same worship in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now today is very special because today marks the one year, one year. Last year, we started our online service on 22nd March 2020. It is due to the very first MCO started 18 March year 2020. And one year later, today, today is 21st March 2021. We have gone through one year of online service. So brothers and sisters, how is your spiritual habit, your fellowship with all other believers, your connection with your church family members, your relationship with God, your spiritual habit of giving, prayer, evangelism, sharing the gospel, I hope that all this, it will not diminish even though we are not able to congregate together physically in the church. But let me encourage you to continue to stay vigilant, to stay active in your spiritual habit so that you will continue to, uh, uh, to deepen your faith even though you are at home. Right now, we know that our home, our very house, has become a place of worship. We worship from our home. We give from our home. We hear the word of God from our home. We even have small group in our own home. So our home has become a place where the presence of God dwells. And it has always been. But due to the pandemic, it has heightened this understanding and this practice. So I hope that you continue to stay strong in your faith. And also, last week, last Sunday, we have our Mission Sunday. If you want to thank God for a great message by Pastor Chanam Chen, and he encouraged us to give unto the Lord in terms of the mission faith pledge. And I hope that you continue to pray and ask God, this is God, how can I participate in mission, in evangelism, in giving the Lord this heart, our life to be used for the work of ministry, evangelism, outreach. And also one of the practical things is to ask God, this is God, help me to participate in this giving. Giving by faith, giving by pledge. It is not giving out of what you have. It is to ask God and say, God, give me a heart to give. And ask God to provide you the means to give. Just like Abraham, God says, bring Isaac to the, uh, to the mountain. And God says, I'm going to provide for you because I'm Jehovah Jireh. So let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, pray and ask God to participate so that you can participate in this faith pledge. And go to the link that is provided for you and I hope that you will participate in the uh, faith giving. And this morning, let's continue in the book of Mark. This year, we are continuing in the book of Mark because we believe that it is time for us to follow Jesus once again. And in order to study and to equip ourselves to follow Jesus, we start off with the book of Mark. And we are in the sixth chapter of the book of Mark. And if you missed some of the uh, sermon in the past, let me encourage you. We have audio sermon online. We are making it online for you so that you will be able to go to Spotify, to go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and just listen to this sermon and it will be a blessing for you. And I hope that you will take advantage of this technology, of this convenience, so that it will help you to access to the Word of God anytime, anywhere. And this morning, let's continue with the sixth chapter of the book of Mark. Now, there are 56 verses in this chapter and I will not be able to cover everything in depth. But I want to highlight some of the predicament that Jesus and His disciples faces that are relevant to you and to me today. Let me give you a quick overview of the entire chapter. And there are six segments altogether in chapter 6. Verses 1 to 5 is when Jesus is rejected in His hometown. Verse 6 to 13 is when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples two by two to preach the gospel. And verse 14 to 29 is John the gospel beheaded by Herod Antipas. Verse 30 to 44 talks about the miraculous feeding of 5,000. Verse 45 to 52 talks about Jesus miraculously walks on water. And it ends with verse 53 to 56, whereby it's a summary of Jesus' ministry in Galilee 
and moving on to other region. Now, as you can see, it is impossible for me to finish each segment in detail in the time frame that we have this morning. Now, I want to highlight three experiences in this chapter that we can identify with. And some of these experiences are more pronounced than the other during this uncertainty, during these challenges that we are trying to recover from, the pandemic that we are going through. And these experiences are not foreign even to Jesus and his disciples. They are not exempted from it also. Instead, we read that Jesus and his disciples faced it right on, head on, and the power of God saw them through. So let's dive in in each of them. Number one, the predicament that Jesus faced is rejection. The first one is rejection. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. But let me read to you the first four verses. It says here, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, which is Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked, What this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. Now by now, Jesus has become a celebrity. Many people flocked to wherever Jesus went, waiting to hear him preach, teach, and to see him perform miracles. So when Jesus came to his hometown in Nazareth, you would expect the people in his hometown would be all excited. They would all line up, waiting to greet him and to welcome him. So on Sabbath day, Jesus went to the synagogue and to speak, to teach, and to preach. And when the people heard his teaching, they were astonished. They were amazed. Some Bibles version says that they are in awe of the teaching and preaching of Jesus. But what follows is perplexing church. The people who heard Jesus' teaching asked this, where did this man get his teaching from? What wisdom has been given to this man? Where did he get his authority to do all the miracles that he's performing? You see, these are all honest questions, and it is. But they are also cutting and cynical questions. Because they ask, isn't this the carpenter's son? Meaning that, isn't this just a normal people just like us? How is it that he's parading like a rabbi and a miracle worker? They also ask, isn't this Jesus the son of Mary? Now in Jewish custom, it is not, it is very unusual to address someone with the association of the mother's name. Just like we Chinese, if we address you with your mother, it sounds crude. It is derogatory. So the people in synagogue had questioned, but they were questioning Jesus and not honestly asking a question. So note the attitude of the heart. They were not receptive. They were not responsive. Their heart is like the soil where the seed fell along the pathway in the parable of the soil where the birds ate it up. Or their heart is like the soil where the seed fell on rocky ground. They were excited for the moment. But then the word of God did not sink deep. They were not responsive. They were not receptive. When they questioned Jesus' authority, their heart became cynical and their heart hardened. So, from astonishment, they took offense of Jesus. And they responded with, with rejection and unbelief. Now, let's pause for a while. Try to put yourself in Jesus' shoes. How disappointing it would be, must it be, for Jesus to be rejected in his own hometown. And his people 
his neighbours, his friend, took offence of him. Now, of course, we read that Jesus knew what he was doing because he knew his purpose, why he came to earth. So he was undaunted by the rejection and the offences of the people. He continued to do what he was sent to do. He continued to preach the gospel, perform miraculous healing. Even though the outcome was severely hampered by their lack of faith, Take note, Jesus did not retaliate. He did not give up on those who rejected him. He continued to heal the sick, even though not many were healed. And after that, Jesus sent the 12 disciples, two by two, to preach the gospel throughout the region of Galilee. But before Jesus sent them out, Jesus gave them instruction. And we read this in verses 6 to 13. And let's read this passage together. Then Jesus went around, teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Taking, uh, take nothing for your journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals but not an extra shirt. Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the town. And if any place you will not, if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, it is true that a student, a disciple, is not above the teacher or the master. If the people welcome the disciple, they welcome Jesus as well. If the people reject the disciple, they reject Jesus as well. Because Luke chapter 10, verse 16 says, Whoever listens to you, listens to me, says Jesus. But whoever re rejects me, will reject him who sent me. So to refuse to listen to the disciple, is also to refuse to listen to Jesus. And whereas, it forfeits the invitation of eternal life that Jesus came to preach about. So Jesus gave the disciple heads up that some people or some places will not welcome them, will not accept them. But it's okay. Jesus says, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now what? does this mean? Now this is to be understood in the light of the Jewish custom of removing the dust of their clothes, their sandal, their hair before they re-enter the Jewish territory. This is done as a symbol of separating themselves from the Gentile ways of living as they re-enter the Jewish testimony. This custom is also practiced in order to honour the holy land that God has given to the Jew as an everlasting covenant since the time of Abraham. Because the Jews treat the land and the soil of Jerusalem as holy. And therefore, shaking off the dust from one feet is a gesture of repudiation. And also, this was what Apostle Paul and Barnabas did when they were expelled from Antioch because the people there rejected their gospel. And it is meant as a warning to those who reject the gospel message. So this gesture serves as a testimony against those who are unreceptive to the gospel. And the day, when the day of judgment comes, they will be accountable to their own life. But this is also a reminder to the disciple not to be discouraged by the resistance that they will encounter. Because their job is to carry the mission obediently. And success is in the hand of God. No one should be compelled to accept the gospel message. So church, when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about mission, it is the sharing of the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. The gospel message by the power of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, we trust and we leave the result to the hand of God. You and I does not produce the result. 
you and I are to uh, obediently reach out and leave the result to God. So let's pause for a while and let's talk about rejection. Through this passage, it is clear that both Jesus and his disciple experienced rejection in their life. It is to be expected. Jesus himself re experienced rejection from his own hometown, the very people whom he grew up with. Jesus forewarned the disciple before sending them out to preach the gospel. And we see that many believers today, you and I, we experience the same rejection when we share the gospel. Even Apostle Paul, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, he was rejected time and time again. Today, church, you and I, we need to be prepared to experience rejection in the area of evangelism and also in all other areas of our lives. Now, sometimes rejection happens because we stand up for the truth that we believe. Sometimes it is because of people who are just plain insensitive, who are just outright evil and therefore reject us. But whatever it is, we need to know that rejection is not a nice experience. Now, church, raise your hand if you experience rejection in your life when you're growing up in your neighborhood, in your friendship with other people. Raise your hand. Now, raise your hand if you had experienced rejection in your school, in your college, in your university, in your workplace. Raise your hand if you experienced rejection in your family, with your loved one. And perhaps, raise your hand if you experienced rejection even from the church family members. Now, if you have not raised your hand by now, contact me. I want to know what is your secret to such a perfect life. Truly, church, I am sure that you will experience rejection in your life one way or another, directly or indirectly. But here's the truth. Rejection is a heart-wrenching experience. Nobody likes it, but it does happen and it will happen. And here's another truth. Jesus and his 12 disciples experienced it too. Especially in Isaiah 53 verse 3, prophesy that Jesus will be despised and rejected by mankind. He is a man of suffering, familiar with pain. But Mark chapter 6 verse 5 tells us that he continued to do what he's supposed to do. He remained faithful to his calling. He maintained his integrity. And likewise, the disciples did what they were sent to do. They continued to preach the gospel to wherever they went. And they continued faithfully. Those who reject them, they shake the uh, dust off their sandals and they walk away. Now church, during this season of life, I believe that you experience rejection in your life. You may have been hurt and scarred in your life because of the rejection. But I pray that you will remain faithful. Continue to do what you're called to do with the best of your ability. Do not retaliate. When you face rejection, stay faithful to what you are called to do according to the Word of God. And let God fight on for your behalf. The justice that you want to see, it may not come immediately and it may not come the way that you want it to be. But God has His own purpose and timing. And take note that when we do the will of God in our lives, such as sharing the gospel, standing up against the value of the world, standing up firm and strong on godly principle, it will make us stand out against the world. Stand out so uh, stand out so uh, uh, indifferently whereby the world will notice that we may be against their value. And that will make us the target of harassment and rejection. This is to be expected. You will face rejection, harassment. Mark chapter 10 verse 22, it says, And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be safe. So, church, today, let's respond to rejection like Jesus did. Staying faithful to our calling 
and maintaining character in our attitude so that our way of responding, it will let the world know we are different. We are not depending on ourselves. We will not retaliate, but we trust God. So rejection is a heart-wrenching experience. Let's come to the second experience. The second experience I want to share in this chapter is injustice. Now this segment is about the untimely death of John the Baptist by the wicked scheme of King Herod's wife. This story is found in verses 14 to 29. It's a very long passage, but let me quickly give you a summary, a gist of it. Now, John the Baptist, he denounced King Herod Antipas for marrying his brother's wife, Herodias. King Antipas is one of the many sons of King Herod the Great. Now, King Herod the Great is the one who ordered the massacre of all the baby when Jesus was born. That's King Herod the Great. And now when King Herod the Great died, his kingdom is divided among his children. And his kingdom, one of them, falls on King Herod Antipas. Right now, King Herod Antipas is the ruler of Judea, including Jerusalem, Galilee. So, John the Baptist spoke against King Herod Antipas because he married his brother's wife, Herodias. And as a result, John the Baptist was thrown into prison for speaking up against Herod Antipas. And of course, Herodias was furious with John. So much so that Herodias wanted to kill him. What's the moral of the lesson? Do not mess with women in power. Well, even though that's a joke, but we read that King Herod and the past, even though he is also furious with John the Baptist, King, Hen uh, King Herod and the past kept John the Baptist in prison. But at the same time, King Herod liked to listen to John the Baptist's teaching and he found him so amusing. And therefore, Herodias could not do anything to John the Baptist. So one day, King Herod threw a big party, wine and dine. He invited all the important VIP of the land to come. And during the party, Herodias' daughter gave a very captivative dance. It was so captivative that King Herod himself made an oath, made a promise and says, ask for me anything that you want and I will give it to you. And King Herod give her an oath and says, whatever you ask, I will give it to you up to half of my kingdom. Now, even though he has no authority to give half of the kingdom, but King Herod, it doesn't stop King Herod to make such an oath. So the daughter was so thrilled, he was so excited, he ran back to his mother, Herodias, and asking for, uh, uh, asking for advice. Now, sensing the opportunity, Herodias told her daughter to ask for the head of John the Baptist. So King Herod had no choice but to behead John because he had made an open promise before all the VIP, before all the guests, and he made an oath. Now it is very important back in the day of Jesus to make an oath. You don't simply make promises. Words are very important. So he made an oath and therefore he must fulfill it. As a result, John the Baptist is beheaded even though he did nothing wrong. In fact, he did all the right thing and he was killed. John the Baptist suffered and paid the price because he stood up and spoke against the highest authority of the land. And as a result, he died an untimely death. Now, very few would have this kind of courage and righteous, uh, righteousness like John. And that's why Jesus said in John, as, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, verse 28, he says here, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. And yet, such a great servant of God suffered great injustice because he stood firm based on the principle of God and he did the right thing. Now church, 
What do you think about this story? Isn't it tragic, sad, unfair? Let's pause again and think about injustice in our lives. Have you experienced any unfair treatment and discrimination before? Have you been denied of an opportunity or, the ref or, or a refusal in your life? Being excluded, isolated, harassed, or outright bullied? Being subjected to favoritism, taunts, abuse? And all these are not because of your fault. And moreover, you did what is right. You did what the Bible says. Church, injustice is a heart wrenching experience. Just like, in, just like rejection, injustices are painful and hurtful experience. It happened because we dare to stand firm on what is right and true. And sometimes it happened because there are wicked people who persecute others because they want to keep their power and position. And sometimes it's because of self-centered, selfish people who want to take advantage and devour those who are weak. But today, let's think about people in the Bible, in the scripture, who suffered gross injustice. Let's think of Joseph in the Old Testament, son of Jacob. He suffered under the hands of his own brothers who want to kill him and sell him off as a slave. And even as a slave, he is being framed by Potiphar's wife. Another person is David. Before he became king, he suffered under the persecution of the king that he served, King Saul, who tried to kill him. We are not just talking about harassment. We are talking about life-threatening situation. And today, we read about John the Baptist suffered injustice being killed by King Herod. And let's not forget the greatest injustice suffered by Jesus Christ, our Lord himself. Jesus Christ came to save the world, but he died at the hand of those whom he came to save. Right now, you may be angry even thinking about injustices in life because I invoke your memory and your emotion of pain and hurt. And during this pandemic church, some of you, you may face such injustices. You may have been laid off suddenly. You may get more workload while other of your colleagues seems to be enjoying their life. Or you may have more workload and on top of that, you may have pay cuts some more. You might suffer outright favoritism from your boss, from your teacher, and even from your parent. Whatever injustice that you suffer from, it is truly a heart-wrenching experience. So what can we do when we experience injustice? Can I humbly submit to you two things from the Bible? Number one, do not retaliate with retribution. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Jacob, at the end of his life, even though he suffered so much, this is what he says to his brother who tried to kill him and sell him off. Joseph says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, and this is what Apostle Paul says, when they hurled their insult at him, at Jesus, Jesus did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no trust. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So church, do not retaliate with retribution. Hand it to God. Now, I'm not saying that you do not do anything. But the Bible did tell us and says, do not repay evil with Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray to those who mistreat, mistreat you. To those who despitefully reject you. Or those who persecute you. I'm saying that we do not repay evil with evil. That we do not re re retaliate with retribution. Secondly, do not be too absorbed about our own injustices. 
Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So church, be reminded that when you face injustice, do not be too absorbed about our own injustice, but we always remember that we have God who is just and fair. Now it's okay to feel angry. You should feel angry about injustices, but don't stay angry forever. Be careful not to get all wrapped up about injustice that we experience, that we forget that there are injustices that we do to others. So take time right now. Examine your own attitude, your own character, your own action. Honestly, within yourself, search your heart and see whether are we treating others unjustly and unfairly? We always come be humbly before the Lord with an open heart to repent and say, God, change my heart, search my soul, reveal to me. And this is how we become an effective light and salt of the earth. So when we face injustice, do not retaliate with revenge. Do not be too absorbed with our own injustices. Do not always get all wrapped up with bitterness and anger. Instead, respond to injustice by staying faithful to our calling, maintaining our integrity, not paying evil with evil, but paying evil with good. Always guard our heart, our character, and our attitude, just like Jesus. So rejection, experience, injustice, is a heart-wrenching experience. And thirdly, unbelief. Unbelief is a heart-wrenching experience. Now, after the account of John the Baptist, Mark continued to talk about his excitement, the disciples' excitement when they go to the nearby villages and town to preach the gospel. Now, as Jesus sent them two by two. We read that wherever they go, they heal the sick and cast out demons. And even in chapter 1 up to chapter 6 right now, we read that Jesus cast out demons. It seems that the, in the days of Jesus, there are demons everywhere. And it is true. Even though today, living in city with our advanced scientific, uh, scientific uh, uh, development, we don't see that much. But in the day of Jesus, Getting possessed by demon is a common thing. Everywhere you go, you will see demon possession. And take note of that. And this is what Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 34 says. The apostle gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they have taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have the chance to eat, and Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves to a boat into a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now church, when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two to many places to preach and teach, the disciples performed miracles of healing and casting out demons. And even when they come back to report to Jesus with all the excitement, people follow the disciple back and continue to ask for the healing, for the miracle, for demons to be cast out. And that's why we read that many people gather again and again, many, many coming and seeing so many people come and go. Jesus says, okay, let's go to a quiet place. And Jesus, with the disciple, went on a boat. But people were still coming. We're not talking about tens, hundreds. We're talking about thousands. And that's where it ended up, where Jesus went to a place and there were 5,000 people. And this is how it built up to 5,000 people. But Jesus wanted a quiet time with the disciple after what they have done. So it's very important that after a great event, 
that we take time to be with the Lord. But when that happened, the people were there, continued to add up in numbers, thousands upon thousands. When Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them. Even though Jesus wanted a quiet time, but when Jesus saw them, he had compassion and he preached and teached to them. And when time is getting late, we are talking about thousands and thousands of people going through a, 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 a remote place. And when night time comes, Jesus performed the miracle of 5,000. Now, I'm not going to talk about this miracle because we have, been preach, uh, we have been preaching about it in the past for many, many times. But I want to highlight what happened after the feeding of 5,000. Let's read Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 52. It says here, Immediately, now again, both Mark is full of this word, immediately, suddenly, unexpectedly. So immediately, Jesus made his disciple get into the boat and get on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciple straining at the oar because the wind was great against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them. Walking on the lake, he was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out. Because they saw him and were terrified. Now church, it was the fourth hour of the day. It's about 3 to 6 a.m. So after performing the miracle of 5,000, it's already night time. And Jesus sent the people away. And at the same time, Jesus told the disciple, you get on the boat, you go ahead first to a place called Bethsaida. And Jesus during that night, went up to the mountainside to pray by himself. And after spending all night praying, about 3 to 6 o'clock in the morning, we read that Jesus tried to go to the disciple. But the disciple was in the boat, out at the lake. And Jesus saw that the storm is brewing. Now, although it is not a life-threatening storm, like what happened in chapter 4, the disciple was nonetheless battling against the wind and the waves. So when Jesus saw their struggles, he did not immediately come to their rescue of their predicament. But instead, just like the feeding of 5,000, Jesus used the opportunity to teach a spiritual truth. But the disciple were not up to it. When Jesus walked on water towards it, the disciple, when they saw Jesus, thought that they were seeing a ghost. And why? Because, as already mentioned, demons is everywhere. It's very common. So when they saw Jesus walking on water, even to the experienced fishermen, they thought that they saw a ghost. Moreover, have you even seen people walking on water? Not even the disciple of Jesus. So when Jesus walked towards them, the disciple presumed that their eyes are seeing ghosts. Now take note, the wave and the wind did not throw the disciple into panic. It was seeing Jesus walking on water. So, how did Jesus respond to the disciple? Let's read Mark verses 50 to 52. And it says here, again, the word, immediately, he spoke to them. Jesus spoke to them and says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now, this account is also recorded in the book of Matthew and the book of John. But there are two differences that Mark had. First, Mark did not record about Peter walking on water with Jesus. And secondly, Mark also highlighted that the disciple did not understand the loaves for their heart were hardened. Now, what does this have to do with the miracle of Jesus walking on water? 
when Jesus walked on water, and when Jesus came to, into the boat, the Gospel of Mark says that the disciple, even though they saw Jesus walking on water, even though previously in chapter 4, they saw Jesus calming the storm, but they still have unbelief. And they do not understand that what Jesus did in feeding 5,000 is a miracle to identify that He is who He claimed to be. He is the Son of God. He has authority. And there is unbelief and hardening of heart. And here we see that the disciple, the insider, the very people whom Jesus is with all the time, they had hardening of heart. But unlike the Pharisee, the disciples were not hostile to Jesus. Now, why do they, this disciple, have the hardness of their heart? It's because they do not understand what Jesus did. All the miracles that Jesus did was a spectacular show for them. They were watching and of course they were amazed. But they did not understand who Jesus is, the person of Jesus and the power of Jesus. Therefore, they do not understand the meaning of the feeding of 5,000 that Jesus purposely did. And after all the miracles, all the healing, they still fail to understand the person and the power of Jesus. They fail to understand that God, uh, Jesus is the Lord over the nature, over demon, over disease, and even over death. They have not fully understood who Jesus is. And even later on in Mark chapter 8, Jesus again performed the miracle of feeding of 4,000. And yet the disciples still could not understand. And Jesus said to them in Mark chapter 8, verses 17 to 18, and he says this, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? So church, Mark's gospel pointed out plainly that the disciples, those who are closest to Jesus, had hardened their heart, unbelief, even though they are not hostile to Jesus. So brothers and sisters, let us think for a while about this. Unbelief, hardening of heart, is real issue among us as believers, especially if we are believers for many, many, many years. Why? Because we are so good at solving our own problem and we don't really need God. We have learned all that we need to learn about life and how to live our own life. We have seen all that Jesus can do. We have heard all that message can, that, 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 that pastor can preach. And yet, we are so blinded about the person and the power of God. And we don't really need faith anymore. And it is perplexing that you can experience God's goodness, God's blessing, God's provision in good time. But when bad time comes, you struggle and say, God, where are you? And start to have doubt and your faith is shaken. The question I want to ask you today is this church. Are you experiencing hardening of heart and unbelief in life? Do you still fail to see who Jesus is? His power, His authority over your problems, your doubts, your fear, or perhaps you know another person who exhibits unbelief in their life. Instead of acknowledging it, we unfortunately excuse it by saying that, well, we are simply human. We have our own weaknesses. Therefore, it's okay for me to be blinded and fail to understand the person and the power of Jesus. But church, isn't this allowing ourselves to have shallow presumptuousness and also superficial faith. Now think about this. I know it is heart-wrenching for parents to see their children walking away from their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is heart-wrenching to see that people are walking away from their faith. But let's also think about this, that our Father in Heaven, how much more His heart hurts 
and grief when we, his redeemed children, after years of being Christian, move around, live our life with presumptuous and shallow faith. Think for a while. Unbelief, blindness towards the person and the power of God, having presumptuous and superficial faith. Church, this must grieve our heart as much as it grieves God's heart. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And therefore, we need to search our heart to see whether are we like the disciple of Jesus, that we follow Jesus so closely, we have seen Jesus' power, we have heard Jesus preaching, and yet, we fail to see who He really is and His authority. Unbelief is a real issue among, amid, uh, among us, especially now, during the pandemic, whereby we could not meet up together. Let me give you an illustration here. It has been said that the African Impala, it can jump as high as 10 feet and as far as 30 feet. And it is indeed incredible for a medium-sized antelope. But how is this versatile animal can be kept in a zoo with just a three-foot wall surrounding them? Now, here is the explanation. Although the Impala can jump straight over the wall, just a three-feet wall, the impala can do that anytime, but the impala will not jump because they cannot see the spot where they will land. Even though they can jump over the wall easily, they will not because the three-foot wall obstruct their view of the outside wall where freedom awaits. So they don't jump and they could not see. And therefore, the impala stay trapped in the zoo even though they can jump over so easily. And there is something that may be happening to you and to me. That we are so comfortable where we are, receiving everything that we receive from the church, from the Bible, but we fail to act out in faith. The late John Edmund Haggai, a Christian teacher, says this, Faith is the ability to trust what we can't see and with faith, we are freed from the flimsy enclosure of life that only fear allowed to entrap us. Therefore, church, Jesus finished his mission on the cross by faith. And today, you and I, we need that faith, the ability to trust God even though we don't see it. Yes, even Jesus is distressed and struggled right before he went to the cross, that he prayed and says, God, not, not, your, not my will, but yours be done. He trusted in the plan of God, even though it included tremendous pain and suffering. But here's the truth. Unbelief is a heart-wrenching experience to God, and it should be to us also, because it grieves the heart of our Father in heaven. But we can do what Jesus did to deepen our faith and our dependency on God, that we always come humbly before God to have our heart be open, not to be hardened by unbelief, not to have presumptuous and superficial faith. And as we come to our conclusion today, chapter 6 of Mark's Gospel highlights three experiences that Jesus and the disciples went through. Rejection, injustice, and unbelief, all of which that are heart-wrenching experience. Even though this issue are not expounded exhaustively today, I want you to know that if this real-life issue is not dealt with thoroughly in your heart, in, in my heart, it will eat into our mind, into our emotion, into, into our soul. It will affect our faith and our walk of discipleship with God. And as I've shared to you on how Jesus overcame rejection and entrusted himself to God who judges fairly, 
trusted in his father's plan, that's how we should respond, respond also. And there's no other way by which we can overcome this issue. We have to choose to do it Jesus' way. Any other way will fall short. Church, if you're experiencing rejection, injustice, and unbelief in your life, instead of bearing grudges, bitterness, resentment, blaming here and there, blaming all other things, everybody, will you let God heal you today? No matter what you're facing, be reminded that Jesus has already given you the victory because He has died on the cross, He has resurrected, and there's power on the cross. His resurrection has given us hope to face all issues in life. And His steadfast love and the blood on the cross given us the power to overcome. We can get through all that we are experiencing and we can do it if we do like Jesus did. But are we willing? Are we willing to surrender our own agenda, our will and our heart to Jesus? So this morning, church, let us respond to the Word of God as I ask the worship team to come to sing to us this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And let us sing this song together wherever you are. Let me invite you to just stand up if you are possible or sit up straight. Let's enter a time of worship and respond to the Word of God.
on you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and your children and their children presence go before you Church, now is the time to act 
faith. If you're experiencing any issues that we have talked and mentioned today, if you're struggling with rejection, injustice, unbelief, hardening of heart, can I invite you to just raise up both of your hands and receive Jesus into your heart. A gesture and says, Jesus, I surrender, unto, I surrender unto you my heart, my mind, my soul. That I want to respond to this word, the message that I've heard and apply it into my life right now. That God, you will come into the hurt, the chaos, the bitterness in my life and you will steal the storm that's brewing in my life right now. As you raise your hand, I want you to begin to pray to God. Come on, church. As we sang this song, what a friend we have in Jesus indeed. What a friend. And right now, wherever you are, if you're able to speak in tongue, let's exercise this gifting. And if not, let's pray in the language that you're comfortable with and lay everything that we have. The rejection, injustice, hardening of heart into the hand of God right now. Yes, Lord. Shanda la basida de lo. Shukuri ala baba baba. Shukuri ala basida de lo. Kushanda la basida de lo. Hallelujah, Father God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Shikiri ala basanda la basukuri ala basida de lo. Oh, Hallelujah, God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. I ask as we come before you that hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. See, Father Lord, the hands that are raised before you as a gesture of surrender. Our heart, Father God, before you. Look upon our heart, Father God. Heal it. Strengthen it. Renew it in the name of Jesus. Let your power begin to work in our heart mightily, O God. Yes, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're watching this, and if you're not a believer of Jesus Christ, let me invite you to make a decision right now. As you've heard this message, even though you're not a believer of Jesus Christ, but today, you want to know this God who, who is able to help you through in all the storm, the chaos, the bitterness, the rejection, the injustice, the unbelief that you're facing. Put your faith in Jesus. And in order to do that, let me lead you into a prayer so that you can put your faith into the Lord. And it is a salvation prayer. And if you're watching this, I want you to repeat after me as I show you this prayer right now. The prayer for salvation. Let's pray together and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love for me. I admit that I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I confess you as my Lord. I invite you into my heart. I decide to put my faith in you and follow you today. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you have made that prayer, I want you to scan the QR code at the end of this service and tell us that you have made that decision because it is the most important decision that you have made in your life. It's a decision that will give you abundant life on earth, eternal life in heaven. And we want to rejoice with you and start that walk with God with you. Do let us know if you have made that decision. And also for the family of First Assembly, for those of you who are believers of Jesus Christ, we are two weeks ahead Two weeks more, Easter Sunday. And I've already said before, church, let's believe in the power of the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection. And let us approach the cross with prayer. There are four categories of prayer that I have encouraged you to go to the website, the link that we have provided for you to submit names for salvation. To submit prayer for confession so that you want to have change to submit healings requests whether for yourself or for the loved one and also to submit prayer requests for any other needs these four 
categories salvation confession healing and needs go to the website and fill up the google form you do not need to tell me who you are names are anonymous but what we are going to do is this church as you see the cross of our lord jesus christ these red colors are all the names that has already been submitted these are the names that we put on the cross and we will be praying the green color are all those who are requesting for healing and it is on the cross right now those of you who have already done it and we have the blue and the orange represents the need for change in the attitude and also all other needs and we will put it all on the cross and we are going to lay it on the cross believing that the blood of Jesus Christ the resurrection power of Jesus on Easter day and until now from, from now until Easter day we are going to believe that as we do this we are going to pray and intercede that God is going to make a difference when we believe and take this step of faith to lay it all on the cross so church anytime anywhere just log in submit your request as many times as you want and we are going to post it here and I believe that we can fill the entire cross with prayers prayers for salvation prayer for healing prayer for changes in life prayer for all other needs and on Easter day we are going to intercede on all of it a step of faith church and therefore let's continue to look to God and this morning as you've heard the message in your own time even after this message ask yourself these two questions reflection questions the first one which of these three experiences you identify in the sermon today and secondly what do you sense God is leading you to to respond to these three experiences and these two questions is available in the online bulletin that we have for you. So I hope that you will take time to respond to this reflection question to make the Word of God applicable in your life. And I will end with this benediction. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21 says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, according to the power that has at work in us to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and everyone says and everyone says and everyone says Amen so God bless you I hope that today's message will bring freshness of heart and also renewal in your mind God bless you see you next Sunday I want to hand the time for announcement.